0: This episode of the Forty Two Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dunne Deal Motors. Visit Dunne Deal Motors for confident car buying and deals to feel great about from all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field.
1: Leinster could offer me five million a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Chavimoe. Rugby, Rugby Weekly. first pass. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Friday's episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly. Hope your week has been going splendidly. It's Gavin Casey with you here and joining us to look ahead to the URC action involving all four of the provinces this weekend is the Forty Two Zone Murray Kinsella. Murray, great to see you. How are you and how's your week on?
0: I'm good, Gav. Had a nice, pleasant week and looking forward to some of these games over the course of the weekend. Now we've got the full crop of internationals back in the mix. It makes it all that more exciting and as we discussed kind of at the start of the week really the already the the race for places is is kind of heating up so um good to get on the line with you and looking forward to this chat it's
1: an exciting time of the week now around lunchtime on a friday isn't it Mm. it used to be a bit of a ball like i'm not gonna lie where the teams would come in if you're working the desk just to give people a a sample of what it's like in our jobs depending on what you're doing you might be drafted in to look after a couple of the uh, teams for urc and it can kind of take you out of your day out of your rhythm, if you like, if you're working on other things. But at the moment, with all of these teams that are being named in the last four weeks, more, it's actually one where you have a little bit of anticipation towards 12 o'clock, just to see who's going to be included, what kind of teams are, are going to line out. um Not only because they're jeopardy to the fixtures, but because there is such a, a stack of young talent now. And I thought we could start with Leinster on this topic because they've probably lent heavily towards their experience they've drafted in their co-captains for this game against Scarlets. but at the fulcrum of it all will be Sam Prendergast and that's a combination of factors which I think Irish rugby fans in general will be really excited to see in the last of the four games involving the provinces this weekend so it's a big vote of confidence in Prendergast in one sense and a bit of a statement by Leinster to him to let him know listen you are going to be heavily involved provided you take your chance
0: Well I'd say firstly that Scarlet's fans saw this team sheet and just thought oh come on give us a break because it's (laughs) so strong it's so stacked with international quality with guys who just want to put a bad memory behind them and get motoring with their province and two co-captains as you say who are starting the tenure now as the guys in charge Ringrose and James Ryan and and they're the leaders now the likes of Doris and Keller Porter Keenan you go through the team and just littered with international quality but that is the most fascinating point for me is that Sam Prendergast is right in the heart of such a strong team. Partnering with Jamison Gibson Park in the halfbacks with all that quality around them as well as other guys who weren't at the World Cup but are in nice tidy form at the start of the season. It's a brilliant team around him. and often the challenge for younger guys particularly halfbacks is that they get their opportunities in, in weakened teams or rotated teams where lots of unfamiliar combinations are around them. They don't have that quality platform or that guidance and that voice in their ears that seasoned professionals provide you with. But Prendergast gets that opportunity. Not that he totally needs it. He's a he's a confident, assured young man, definitely. But I think that'll allow him to do his job all that better. I think it'll allow him to understand the kind of comms you do get from guys like that. Because he's been around the squad. He's been training with them. He's had exposure, obviously, even last season. But to be the starting 10, to be the guy driving a team like this is a wonderful opportunity for him, and we're we'll giving real insight into what it is going to take for him to to push on and accelerate as quickly as we all think he he might be able to do. So I think it's going to be thrilling to to watch his undoubted talents um, just steering uh, this team and and being steered by others around him. I think that's a really important point. It'll allow him to do his job all that better. The other one then is Fintan Gunn, his halfback partner from from Ireland under twenties on the bench, ready for his debut and. Scrum half has been a a kind of weird one for Leinster. Luke McGrath is obviously a a real stalwart and a a real kind of hero, I guess, for for Leinster fans. And he's done a brilliant job. Great defender, but Gibson Park has nudged past him. And Leinster, I think their supporters have been waiting for that homegrown Scrum half to push through. They've had so much quality across the board. Every other position, really, nearly, in terms of their homegrown products, but probably not one who's made them this excited for a long time at Scrum half. And Gunn is... A really clever nine he's slight in stature, but he's powerful, and then he's got a really intelligent rubby brain. He makes really good decisions on the ball. I love his option taking around the rock. he can snipe himself he's he's got a a nice acceleration there, a, a burst around the rock, but he tends to pick out good options on on who to hit. even on simple you know forwards carrying the ball when there's a, a pot off him he, he takes good uh, decisions there, so it's brilliant for those guys to get opportunity. Not just opportunity for, for opportunity's sake, but opportunity in such a strong team. Um, and, and the Scarlets are going to be, you would think, really struggling to, to live with this Leinster team. But I agree with you. I'd be fascinated to see how Prendergast and also Gunn go in, the, in that team.
1: The Scarlets should be cannon fodder, if we're honest about it. They started their season down in South Africa. They shipped 110 plus points. They've lost a Welsh derby. Already, or did they beat, excuse me, Cardiff narrowly in a Welsh derby, but they lost to the Lions, I think, at home last time out. And you'd imagine this is a game where Lencer should pull away early and it will allow them the luxury of giving Gunn a fair crack at it, actually, not just for the dying minutes, but a chance for him to flourish in what might be a looser, more broken game at that point. You'd love for Gunn and Prendergast to overlap a little bit just to rekindle that partnership that we saw at 20s as well. Can I just ask you about Prendergast? Because we haven't yet seen Gunn at this level, that's a question as it pertains to him for further down the line. But from what we've seen of Prendergast since he exploded into the public consciousness during that 26 nations and he's had limited chances for leinster but he's had a few what have you made of his development in that period of time and if i could narrow the scope of that question a little bit where do you think he needs to work on his game to become a fully embedded senior 10
0: he needs to work his game in that environment because all the abilities that make you a good under 20s player and underage player it's going to be so different with the pace of the game and the physicality of the game around you. And that's the thing that does encourage me with a player like him is that he is he does seem to be very composed on the ball. And and now that that out-half roll involves so much heat on you with line speed, with defenders swimming past your pod when you're at the back of it, it's that clarity of thought and that ability not to be flustered by that onrushing pressure that really separates the the greats from the from the decent and, and obviously Sexton is the best example of that. He's never, he was never, he was never flustered when he was under pressure like that. He invited that, he wanted that because he could make the pass at the very last split second and, and put someone into to space or, or manipulate a defence through his kind of planning a couple of phases ahead. And I think Prendergast has shown little hints of of having that about him. He's obviously got a good kicking game. I, I'm a huge fan of his insistence on spiralling the ball, even in tough positions where there's, you know, a a possible block down coming. He sticks with his his technique and he gets really good length on his exiting kicks or those long kicks to try and find grass. He's got a good attacking kicking game as we saw very recently when he came off the bench and and, um, set up Tommy O'Brien for that lovely score with a really calm, again, it showed his composure on the ball, really calm kick. Um, He also has the ability to break the line himself. We saw plenty of that at under-20s, particularly the first summer he was involved. I remember him with a big, long length of the field break in that summer series, 2022 it would have been. And I think that'll be a challenge for every out-half and certainly for him is is constantly playing at the line and using that threat that he has, as well as considering the options that he's called outside him and the shapes that are around him and not just getting slavish to them and, and shipping the ball. Again, Sexton was a brilliant example and I, I'm sure he's studied every single clip of Sexton under the sun because he's very studious. It's constantly being a threat to the line yourself. Even when you're 38 and people think, oh, he's not that athletic anymore. But you are, you are challenging the line before you make that pass every single time. And if you're in the pod, if you're in the, the, the pocket behind that pod shape, every single time you're a viable option. You're making a little darting run. You're not just being lazy and chilling out in there thinking about the next phase yeah, you have to think about the next phase, but you also have to do your job in that moment and run that little line to make sure that defenders who are going to tackle those forwards have another little option to to worry about. So I think he's shown definitely the traits that suggest he can drive those things on at, in senior professional rugby. And clearly Leinster have seen them too. So this is a brilliant chance for him to you know speed up that development. And it is just going to be so interesting that number 10 jersey now that, now that Sexton is gone. Harry Byrne had first grab at it at the start of the season. We know that he was very much in the Ireland mix for quite a while. Uh, Ross Ross Byrne has come back from the the World Cup and now Prendergast gets his chance. So it's going to be a really intriguing battle over the next few months, I think, and, and next few years even.
1: And even to widen it, it's going to be an intriguing battle on the Ireland front as well. We've touched upon that in past podcasts, but one of the things I've noticed in recent weeks, just if you're watching a game and scrolling through Twitter simultaneously, is fans from another province will do their level best to take down the up-and-coming out-half at a rival province. And, like, I saw a good bit of it with Crowley at Ulster. I've seen a good bit of it with Sam Perenegas so far, where people are like, oh, we actually are in trouble at out-half um, in um uh, at test level because we don't have a guy who can stand into Sexton's boots yet or don't have a guy who can really, like, harness a team and, and its backline. And uh, part of me kind of hates that like just how it's so obviously parochial and bullshit like where people are looking for issues and <laughs> players that don't even exist but in a way it's going to be fun as well isn't it because it is so uncertain you'd imagine obviously Crowley has a, a, a little bit of an edge for the moment but with the likes of Prendergast coming through even the likes of Jake Flannery who gets another run out at Ulster tonight a little bit of a clean slate for them again it, it does feel as though there's going to be 12 months here where there will be a lot of moving parts, a lot of opportunities for guys to stick their hands up and become the guy.
0: Absolutely, and it's going to be different. Maybe none of them will ever be as good as Johnny Sexton, but maybe other parts of the Ireland team will make up that gap and and be better than they have been in, in the past. And the fact that you've highlighted several different players there, again, underlines the reason I think Irish rugby should be optimistic in this kind of next edition, this next era, is because we've never there's never been a, a situation where, you know, say, let's say Ogar passing the mantle to, to Sexton or, or whatever, a, a big turnover in a, in a key role, there's never been a triple Grand Slam winning 20s production line behind it with loads of different players from loads of different positions just bursting through and really genuinely challenging for for places against guys who've been professional rugby players for six or seven years. So, that gives me great heart and the fact that you're able to list a, a few different options there, absolutely, they, at some stage, you've got to kind of nail your colours to the mast and give someone as much time in the saddle as they're going to need because experience does count in Test Rugby. It really makes a huge difference for some of the reasons that I'm kind of alluding to there, getting used to the pace, the pressure, the the sheer ferocity of it. Um, but there's some nice options for, absolutely, for Andy Farrell to look at it, at out half. And even the options that I didn't mention, the two burns, you've Jack Carty, who should not be
1: out of the picture necessarily. JJ Hanren was is bold from the blue shout a couple of weeks ago as a guy still with Ireland potential, depending on how he goes for Connacht, he starts this weekend as well. Just before we move on from Leinster, Mer, do we know who will be the acting captain on the field, as in who will be dealing firsthand with the referee? Because I'm imagining a kind of a Spider-Man meme situation here where the referee asks <laughs> for Leinster's captain and they don't even know. Obviously they will, but we don't have any inkling ourselves, do we?
0: No, I haven't. Um, I, I think they are doing a, a press conference right now so I'm sure that'll be be um there'll be light shed on that but, you know, it's always nice having a forward who's speaking to the referee. I think you're right close to the action. The thirteen sometimes is absolutely out of breath and then has to run in to, to have his, his word but Ring Rose has been good on that side in terms of calmly dealing with referees. Ryan is a bit more of a kind of sceptical starer, isn't he? Where he's challenging it with his body language a little bit and Watching those two, I think grow as leaders is going to be really... um, It is going to be interesting because obviously Sexton's their friend and their teammate and they respect each other, but he's such a big figure that you're maybe not fully unleashing that side of yourself because he's there and he'll do it and he's the main man. So there's nothing to stop them being those dominant personalities now around the group. And yeah, I think that... Colin mentioned it, collective leadership, he, he's a real big fan of this and Sheehan doing the captaincy and I think that's the way it's kind of gone with Ireland though Sexton has remained the big figure, Farrell's pushed the likes of Furlong Keenan, Doris into that leadership group and, and opened their eyes to that side of it and, and there's, while it may not be the one major focal point anymore the kind of beating heartbeat, maybe it'll be a bigger heart with a few more valves flying out of it And with Jack Nienaber involved, that
1: makes sense to me as well. I don't know about you, but if you look at South Africa, even as much as Sia Khaleesi is absolutely talismanic and is literally the captain and just feels like a captain in how he conducts himself, you probably look at the South Africa team and see four or five equally visible leaders, if that makes sense. There probably hasn't been necessarily a dominant personality within that camp. Certainly in a front-facing way, Khaleesi has been the emblem of the team, but... Environment seems to be one in which it was definitely encouraged for guys to become de facto captains. Have four or five of them on the field. One guy obviously speaks mm. to the ref, but and like you look at Leicester, like Ryan Ringrose, a few more as well. Obviously, Tyke Furlong he had to come back in. A couple of guys like that. They're well capable of doing that. It's just going to be a shift in dynamic, which could be a good thing. And it's not that the previous regime and Sexton's reign as captain, if you like, was in any way problematic or bad. It was actually unbelievably successful for. Ireland and for Leinster to a degree um, actually no to a a huge degree but just the idea of it being different and trying something different could be fun at least or interesting
0: over the next couple of years. There's no right way to do it there's different ways to do it and kind of everyone just staring at one guy waiting for him to come up with an inspirational speech is definitely an archaic thing that's not true anymore. All that shouting and roaring yes it happens on occasions and there's always some strong fierce foul-mouthed words just before a game but it has changed a lot and the main thing is that your leaders are just playing really well. <laughs> that's the main thing in rugby despite all the narrative we put around it is having really good players who play really well at the top of their game and if the likes of Ringrose and Ryan and Doris and whoever it is can do that well, then Leinster and also Ireland will be in a really good place regardless of who is trying to pressure the referee and and that's not to discount that kind of stuff it's, it is important in the game now managing that aspect of it and you know, getting what you need from the match officials and pressuring in the right way. It is it is important and, and absolutely I think if you have someone like Sexton, it's huge because they are just talismanic, energetic people with a major aura around them. And not every captain's like that. If you if you get one great, but if you don't have that, there's different models of of kind of captaincy and leadership.
1: Game of the weekend comes at Thulman Park. I think most people would agree it's a rematch of the final Monster welcoming the Stormers to Limerick. Speaking of captains, Peter Romani is back in there. Tyke Byrne starts as well. Stephen Archer is in line for a record equaling 268th Monster appearance. Most of those appearances have been really good, particularly actually the most recent ones. But last week was probably his worst ever game. It was comically bad. So I think he'll have a, a real bit between his teeth to put that right this weekend against the Stormers. And, um, it's probably a team that once sort of name where you would expect most of the guys to start, like the guys who start, you would expect most of them to start. But I wanted to ask you to begin with more just about Shea McCarthy because with the lack now of Keith Earls and with the retirement of Andrew Conway, once they're a little bit light uh, at in their back three, they've obviously added to that as recently as yesterday as well, which we can get into. But they do have a lot of faith in this young Shane McCarthy and the idea that he's going to be a proper first team player this season it's not just going to be a guy who's drafted in for weeks where your stocks are particularly low they feel probably that if the situation was that it was just Earls who had left and if Conway was staying on they wouldn't have needed to replenish their options there McCarthy was the guy what have you made of him in a limited sample size so far
0: he's done well I like his attitude and assertiveness about just getting involved in the game. And he looks skillful. He's definitely athletic. He's also a proper Limerick City man. And I think that's important for Munster as well, as to to give opportunities to to guys who've come from all parts of the, the province. And it used to be the production line in Limerick, and it's not as much now, but definitely improving. And he's a prime example of it. And I like that he wasn't this mega star underage, you know, a guy who was guaranteed to be a professional rugby player worked really hard. Started off in Richmond, young Munster um, through the schools as well. And even at that, playing Ireland, Irish Irish under twenties, you didn't think, oh, he's definitely gonna gonna make it. But just like gradually improving and impressing coaches with his application and that bit of, not it's not a rawness, maybe an un- unorthodoxy. You know, he's not completely adhering to every single. You know, stereotype about what a wing should do he looks a little bit unique in his movement and where he's going off the ball so I think it's great to see them giving opportunity to him absolutely those retirements have, have opened that door up and on the other wing it means that Calvin Nash now as he had earned last season is really the, the senior wing kind of now isn't he and he's going to be a really interesting one to follow he was in the Irish extended squad obviously and didn't get into the, the World Cup but as we saw last year, he really grew into how Munster wanted to play and a lot of the demands around the wings are very similar to Ireland, both defensively and especially in attack where they're, they're really pushed to go roaming and, and he grasped that role and he makes good reads off the edge and I think Andy Farrell would have liked what he saw even in the, the Ulster game as well. So it's a really nice pairing and, and McCarthy, even now I'm thinking, I wonder will he, you know, push on to international honours and, and I don't feel like that's a certainty in my mind but. He's clearly kind of stepping up each time he gets opportunity and it's another big one in, in as you say, probably the game of the weekend with a Munster team who have got a massive kick up the hole from Rountree obviously last weekend and him laying out that it wasn't acceptable the, the way they dipped off particularly in the, the second half. It's a strong team with some of that nows back up front as well and, and a few guys with a point to prove.
1: I'm actually writing a piece at the moment about Ireland's options at wing and how... As much as we've flagged front row for many years as an area in which it seemed we were going to be a little bit light, particularly the two propositions, wing has kind of crept under the radar as somewhere where the options are a little bit shallow. And it, it's what I mean is just that there aren't too many names you would say are ready-made for test rugby. There are plenty of young talents coming through who may be those figures in six to eight months' time or whatever. But if you're talking about the Six Nations. The lack of a key to Earls, and even the fact that Earls was involved, I know he was an important personality, but the fact that he was in a World Cup squad did tell its own story to a degree. He didn't play a lot of rugby from once to last season. Um, he was obviously pushing towards the end of his career. The fact that Conway as well was training with them shows how highly regarded he was, and, and maybe indicated a, 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 just a slight lack of belief in some of the, the other guys in that conversation. And I wanted to have that conversation with you. Just who you see as the next man up. Like, if Calvin Nash was to continue in his current vein of form, Let's talk about right wing. Is he the guy that you would see as most likely to slot onto a right wing position? And on the left wing, I'm kind of thinking Jacob Stockdale might be the next man up at the moment. But I'm interested more so in your thoughts on that.
0: Haven't told a huge amount about the depth chart just because Lowe and Hansen are going to be incumbents for a while to come. W- what I would say is that they both, and so do the Munster guys you mentioned, Earls and Conway, they have edge about them. And it's something that's missed a lot with wings where we just only focus a lot on their attacking abilities, what they can do going forward. But all the guys who are good in the game now, it's changed a lot, are really aggressive and they've got edge about them. Something you would have more readily associated with forwards, with back rows. They're confrontational, maybe not explicitly so in a Peter O'Mahony way, but they are when they get around contact and they defend with as much interest and ferocity as they attack now. And absolutely, some players have to go through a bit of a learning curve on that. And maybe Lowe is a good example of, of that. But now he applies himself fully on, on both sides of the ball. I think Conway and Earls are really good role models in that regard. They're both you know, fighters. And even the way they talked about attacking play often was, was around that kind of fight. I remember Earl saying, you know, when you catch a ball off a, a cross kick, you've got to fight like a rat who's cornered. Because you're coming down and people are going to have a chance to get a shot on you. And the best example of that was the, the 2018 drop goal when Johnny Sexton found him with a little diagonal and he got onto the ground and he fought his way forward and, and, and stepped a couple of, as, as far as I can remember. And Conway as well, a real battler of a wing. I think that kind of stuff was kind of sneered at maybe in, in the past. You know, he's not very talented. He can't sidestep everyone in a, in a phone box. But what coaches really value is those guys who are combative and generally they're the ones who make the best defenders in a position that now is really really difficult to defend in they're, they're the keys to defensive system their ability to make reads and be assertive on on the edge so I think that's the kind of traits that international coaches are looking for so the, the younger wings who can embody that and Nash is one of them you know he's got a good jackal turnover on him he loves getting into a bit of a scrap as well and he actually is explicitly aggressive in that way Um, as we saw in, indeed in an Ireland jersey Um. So so I think he has that trait, absolutely. But, but you're right, it's, it, you know that's a, a Kiwi import and an Aussie import. I know Hansen obviously has Irish family who are starting on the wings at Ireland at the moment, and it's not been really obvious who, if they were somehow both struck down by injury, who would uh, come in. I thought O'Brien did well in the World Cup quarterfinal when he got his chance after coming through that injury, and he really fits the mold with Ireland, and he's probably learned to be as combative as he is now. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a mold there probably with Ireland as well that maybe limits some, I, I think, Rob Ballacoon in that regard in a different team, different test team. I think he could be one of the key players, but his profile doesn't exactly fit with what Ireland want from their wings flitting around. I think he does make really good reads, Ballacoon in fairness, but that phase play attack is probably something that's not come as naturally to, to him. So there's quite clear uh, profiles there, I
1: think, for what Ireland want in their wings, as well as confirming the signing of Ollie Yeager and adding Hooker Owen Clark to their ranks. Monster have also boosted their back three options with the familiar face, Colum Hogan, who is a former Munster Academy player. He joins Murray. He's twenty six now. For Monster fans who missed him the first time around, what kind of a player should they expect in Cullen Hogan?
0: He's classy and clever. He's a bit of a, a glider. He was. He has been outstanding for Trinity in the AIL for a long time now. Had a spell in the pro d with Colomier. And most recently in New Zealand with the Tasman Mako, which kind of underlines how good a player he is, that you can pick up an opportunity like that. I think he played with Nankavell, actually, potentially, or, or they would have trained together a lot, obviously. Um, so yeah, he's got a nice little CV to him and he's an ideal addition in a place where you didn't expect, obviously, to, to lose Conway and he was available and he knows the place and they know that he can train <laughs> as a professional as well and that's a really important part of, of a squad is having guys who are going to be able for the intensity of it a lot of it's a massive challenge that's probably invisible to us but a lot of guys who say come from AIL to professional setup really struggle to, to back up day to day training it's just so intense I remember speaking to Matt Darcy about it the first time he had that spell down in Munster and it was just so tough for his body to adapt to all the intensity of the training so Hogan will be perfect in that regard and, and and Clark as well. He's, he was really good with Jersey Reds, really prolific as many hookers are these days, but prolific with his breakdown turnovers. And he's, he's a, another nuggety scrum half. So two good additions. And then to confirm Ollie Yeager as coming in, in the next couple of weeks, starting his contract in December is a, it's a big boost for the squad. And it definitely fills a clear hole in their depth chart. And maybe if it goes well in Ireland's, it has
1: a, the feeling of a potential banana skin for Munster this game. I know the Stormers haven't been able to welcome back their own internationals, but they're just a dangerous team in general, I think. And if Ulster, or if, excuse me, if Munster are off it to the tune that they were against Ulster, or even against Benetton, albeit there were two away games,
0: this is a nail biter. So how do you think it's going to go? I think Munster won't have that same slip. I think they'll. I've had the harsh video reminders of what's not good enough from them, and in Toman Park, I just I can't see that happening. There are threats all over the place from from Stormers, though. Even if you, it looks like one of those team sheets where you think, oh, there's not that many high profile players, but uh, one to watch out for is the the twelve Sasha Feinberg and Gamazulu, who is a major talent. He's twenty one now, plays ten or twelve, and he's got the full box of tricks. I think people have probably seen some of the viral clips of him. Uh, kind of soloing the ball up to himself some of his attacking, kicking even retrieving himself is phenomenal he's got a really uh, really good burst of acceleration to get that ball back and he's got a bit of a spikiness to him as well that I think is definitely has him on the the Springboks radar radar in the next few years so it'll be fun to see him go up against Munster and we just know now with Stormers it's never going to be a it's never going to be a handy evening. They're always going to make life extremely difficult and I can't wait for this one.
1: 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeele.ie today to start the search for your next car. Connacht are beginning their South African odyssey Then myrrh and an interesting love enough selection by then particularly actually at, at halfbacks i know the temptation is so often to start with out half but jj hammer comes in there and he's partnered by colin Riley with Caleb blade on the bench and it probably strikes as a conic team that where pete wilkins really feels he's going to need 80 minutes out of a 23 like where probably similar to what i think he tried to do against edinburgh just remain competitive and ideally lead but keep it to one score for as long as possible and then you spring a really strong bench on a shark team that hasn't really been pulling up any trees what do you make of it
0: it's a tough one because the sharks have had such the first two games were against munster and leinster and actually they weren't awful at all in those games even against munster i thought they had some really good passages they were poor against ospreys and then zebra last weekend was just a horrible horrible game i put myself through it again yesterday just to just a f- refresh, and it was just there was not much to remark on red card obviously their discipline was really poor 15 penalties and they had 12 and 12 against Munster and Leinster as well so that's been a, a massive area for them but then you you see this stronger team sheet they're back in in Durban it's nearly 30 degrees over there and <laughs> Connacht have gone from the beginnings of a horrible Irish winter to to that and You know, you even think of Munster going down there last year and when the Sharks open up that little bit, they're quite irresistible. And I think it could be a a, a tough challenge for Connacht. I would be massively impressed if they win this one. I think it would be a real statement, particularly given that they're in the stage of the season where they are kind of slightly mixing and, and matching. They have some nice combinations like 12, 13, Ford and Farrell, which is exactly like England, actually. Ford and Farrell at 12 and 13, are already showing signs of being a lovely kind of combination and as you say that bench is strong but I think it's a even with the the Sharks poor form and the fact that they're getting used to a new coach in John Plumtree formerly the Ireland uh, forwards coach and are clearly having challenges with that and changing their approach I think they'll still be strong on on home soil so without I I don't think it's going to be by any means um, an insurmountable challenge for Connick but I think it is a, a tough ask for them what do you make of Ulster then at home to
1: the Lions? We can keep this one brief because there's only a couple of hours, or a few hours, from when we record, uh, between when we record and kick-off. But uh, Scott Wilson rewarded with a start. Ruben Crothers gets almost a second chance at a debut. You have Jake Flannery coming back in at 10 as well. It's a fun-looking Ulster team, sprinkled with young talents, Lorcan McLaughlin on the bench. An interesting story in his own right. They should have too much for the Lions, so I suppose maybe what interests you about the team to begin with.
0: Young Marty Moore back on the bench is fantastic. I saw him yes. baiting around the place in the warm-up before the Munster game, and it looked certainly like he was ready to, to go. And now he is, and that's a, a huge boost. It's really exciting that Scott Wilson now gets a chance to build on his brilliant debut against Munster with a start and hopefully a few tough challenges again at scrum time from the Lions. But having Moore back for... That kind of meaty middle chunk of the season is is really important for us. with all his experience and and set piece quality and and how he fits into what they're trying to do in attack as well. But I do like to look at the Ulster team. I think they will certainly have too much class for the Lions, who had a really big result for them against Scarlets away last time. And it's so hard for I feel for the South African sides being on tour this early in the season and Connacht the, the same. I suppose they had a couple of games to warm up at home. It must be hard to go from preseason straight into coming up to Europe and the colder weather and the different approach, I suppose, and referees that you haven't had a chance. Some of them you've you've never played under before, so it, it is tough. And I think it's going to be a, a tricky night for the Lions. I Think Ulster got a lot. They'll have got a lot from last weekend, showing some steel, showing defensive might really, and their attack starting to flow. They, it was a good second half performance and. I liked a bit of rotation to this team. It's brilliant that Crothers, as you say, gets a chance. He was so unlucky with that head injury in the first couple of minutes against Connacht. We saw what he can do with the under-20s. A really, actually an inspirational captain and a really good speaker at that. A really mature young fella. And with David McCann already really making his mark this season to have a second Ulster back row coming through. Especially given that there hasn't been many Ulster forwards in Ireland squads or in contention for Ireland squads. That's That's just brilliant to see with the Paradigm and Wilson kicking on. So, um, yeah, I'd expect a a good Ulster performance and a good Ulster win.
1: Just to finish on Marty Moore, who really is the headline there. I kind of buried the lead when I was running through the Ulster team off the top of my head. I couldn't find the graphic on my phone, but he's been out for 11 months. It was an ACL back in January against Munster. But at that time, he was beginning to re-enter the Ireland conversation. And you remember he was picked for that development team against the their new zealand equivalents in was that donnybrook possibly yeah i guess it was donnybrook um and i'm wondering if he can rediscover that kind of form even at 32 is there any weas- any reason why marty moore shouldn't
0: be part of that conversation again there's no reason no there's there's none and i guess this year of all years it's a good time to have a big season when you've just come off the back of a big campaign and and what was for ireland a couple of years building up to that World Cup with all the planning around that and getting minutes into certain players to make sure that they were good to go and maybe just too many of the same players in some instances. But yeah, there's no reason why not. I mean, props can play on for, for many years beyond 32 and he seems to have all the attributes really, doesn't he, in terms of he's a quality set-piece operator, he's got lovely handling skills, he plays those sweep passes as well as anyone in, and he tips on really nicely, he makes good decisions on the ball He's an excellent defender, really excellent. His tackling is extremely precise generally, and he can even jackal as well. But they haven't, for whatever reason, been massively keen on him. As you say, it was just unfortunate timing that when he was starting to make the Irish coaches think, maybe he can come into this frame, and that's when he got he got struck down. So, I mean, that tight end position is going to be really interesting. Furlong's boss had dominated for a long time. Bielham has stepped up hugely. I thought Tom O'Toole, when he played against the Bulls in round two of this URC, looked like a, different player almost in terms of just his almost his body language he looked like a really senior player coming back to URC after a World Cup where he probably felt he didn't get enough chance um, with a with a, a mindset of being you know I'm going to be a key guy for Ulster now uh, and, and, and Ollie Jaeger maybe coming into that mix as well he's 28 and it's nice to have a spread of ages obviously it's not just about that it's about them being good at rugby but there was a bit of a gap in, in the Irish tight head Kind of depth of, of ages, so he may fit, fill that slot, and it'll be interesting to see how it, it develops. But to have Marty Moore back, just for Ulster is really key.
1: What are your plans workwise for the weekend?
0: I am doing the Connacht game in Orty Studio tomorrow afternoon, which is always a bit different when you're not there. But I'm excited for that game. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really good to see Connacht on the road in different conditions with that team that we we talked about. And yeah, looking forward to it. Doing a bit on Col Ford before the game. He's been so impressive, hasn't he, early this season, building on what he did last season and plenty to discuss on the shark side as well. Um I think we're gonna get into Apiwe Janti being back back in and rugby after four years out for for being a convicted doper. It's fascinating. I think what I've seen of him so far, he looks like he could accelerate right back up to to kind of where he was before. He's absolutely lethal when he's in possession is Work rate right off the ball is phenomenal as well. Even when he came on against Leinster that first day, within the first five minutes, he'd had some really big involvements. And it's just a it's interesting, Gav, isn't it? Like he's served four years, he's he's done the time, but it still sits uneasily because we know that he he cheated and, and gained physically. And you speak to people who know about this kind of stuff and and the long-term benefits of of that. So it's a fascinating subject, but a reminder that rugby has dopers and you can come back from it and, and maybe he'll have a redemption story. I don't know if people will be interested in that element of it, but it's a it's a strange one to juggle with.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure there'll be a great deal of redemption in it, but it will be a story. That's redemption. Sure. He'll, he'll
0: think it's a redemption story. You can imagine his YouTube 20-minute documentary about how he proved everyone wrong, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, he can play rugby, that's for sure. We'll park it there. Murph, thanks a million. Great to see you cheers Gav, good chat have a great weekend everybody enjoy the rugby and we will catch you for subscribers on Monday it's the 42.ie forward slash extra if you want to sign up there for two extra podcasts a week and if not we'll catch you back in this regular slot this time next week take care
0: the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeele Motors home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships visit dundeele.ie today to start the search for your next car
1: what in the better alive you're always talking about the boys in the better land
0: the boys in the better alive